everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Buck, and I'm here at Sloppy Yellow. Holy crap, I can't believe I'm doing an on-site podcast with the man, Dado Hodson, a.k.a. Sloppy Yellow. I haven't even got to talk to you about what you thought of the race because you were like too busy taking a dump, but how are you? Uh, Jeff, I'm doing fine, but first of all, this is the best fucking podcast you're going to do all year long, so congratulations on your numbers. When the fan poll comes out, you know, fan poll, podcast, Texas edition, this is going to be number fucking one. You're welcome. <laughs> it, it might already be. Why? Why? Sure, why not? I'll just put a little E thing on there. Is that what you have on yours? Yeah, it's the only way I get anybody to listen. <laughs> that that actually makes more people listen? Yes, that makes more people. More people. It's like the... NMRPC that um, did back in the, the nah, I don't know what I have no idea what you're talking about so anyway we haven't got to talk about the race yet because like I mentioned you were in the bathroom when I showed up very very polite I mean you know keep me waiting here like you're just like you're just like a prima donna driver we have two rules here at the bus rule number one is no number two at the bus why why that's tiny in there. One man takes a shit in there. It smells like for like three days. So you can't do that in that bus. The ventilation equipment is not geared to anything like we've li- we moved in here Wednesday. It is Sunday. The smell automatically isn't good. I mean, let alone if we were doing all of our functions in there. That's just rule number one, no number two in a bus. So I'm a rule follower. What's rule number two? Rule number two is you have to have a ladder buddy because we, um, during the race, very loud, we had somebody fall off the ladder and lay there for about 10 minutes before we realized that, oh, shit, Jack is laying underneath the damn bus and he's got a busted up leg. So we decided you have to have a ladder buddy. Just somebody to watch you go up and down the ladder and that's it. That's it. We don't have any more. That's it. Anything else is wide open. Well, speaking of going up and down the ladder today, Kevin Harvick if you like that transition, uh, Kevin Harvick, um, he had kind of an up and down day in some ways because it didn't look like he was going to win this race. It looked like it was going to be a another Toyota domination. Martin Truex Jr. was sailing toward the win. Next thing you know, Kevin Harvick comes along 10 laps ago, makes a pass, and just like that, he's at Homestead. What do you think of that? First of all, are we going to just – I know you're a – fucking media guy but are we just going to gloss over the fact that that car had to be cheated up as big as any car bigger than the 78 for christ's sakes and why did you see what he did to it at the end they all do that truex does that every week listen that that car and here's what nascar has to blame only themselves for not only am i convinced kevin harvick's car is illegal as fuck i'm also convinced that nascar wouldn't even tell us when they find out it's illegal because they don't want to have this bullshit as they're going into Homestead. There's no way Kevin Harvick came from that far behind to not only catch Martin Truex Jr., but to leave him in his damn dust. Martin Truex Jr. has won six of these things. He's the fastest damn car in a mile and a half all year. Oh, except when Kevin Harvick needs to win to make sure he gets in the homestead. Am I also supposed to believe that Carl Edwards and Tony Stewart had the most awesome race any two guys have ever had in their life? And I think you even said it was fantastic. Well, it's not hard to pass a motherfucker when nobody is driving hard. 41 cars pulled over, and those two cars raced. We well, that's, that's different than having a car that's cheated up. I agree with you in that, that homestead race. Um, everybody just kind of got out of the way, and they raced for it. But, I mean, what, you, you think Harvick had, like, some turbo boost rocket launchers that he turned on with, like, 50 to go or something? I guarantee there's something aerodynamic on that car. We haven't seen anybody 
except for the 78. Why wasn't he leading all day then? Well, they did a pit stop right there, and all of a sudden he got wildly fast. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist, but I've been watching NASCAR 40 years. I mean, we now uh, Ray Evernham came out and told us how he cheated all this. Year. I knew he was cheating back then. We just didn't know how he was doing it. Um, something happened today at Texas to get Kevin into Homestead, and it's not in the rule book, I'm sure. Okay, so the second great Texas conspiracy behind who shot JFK is how the fuck did Kevin Harvick come out of nowhere? Is that, is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. We all know that they cheated. We know that cars in Victory Lane cheated up and it can't be teched. So, I mean, I guess we're just going to live with that. All right. Your so NASCAR, Jeff Clark. You're not, not your NASCAR. Why is it my NASCAR? Because you're, I mean, you're, you're the ones that write all these bunny fluff stories for for NASCAR to help promote them and all that kind of stuff. God, I can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> all right. So here's the thing. Truex is having a hard time battling lap traffic at the end. Ends up getting yelling at Bain uh, on the radio. Um, I think that, you know, he just – clean air means so much on this one-groove Texas track. He just got caught in too much traffic. Harvick took advantage of those situations and waited for Truex to bobble happen at the right time i mean is it is it possible that that my version's right jeff no there's not there's not a one percent chance that that's true he passed denny hamlin too which led 60 some laps today he just went right past him and as as it got longer through the cycle he got better that's not the way that has happened all year long so are we just supposed to magically believe that when he needs to get his ticket punched all of a sudden, he becomes the fastest car we've seen that's not a 78 or an 18 all year long. That just doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, they, they had some magic fairy dust. I think that's what you're overlooking. Um, you know, clearly, you know, as you said, they hadn't won a race um, all year that was on a, oval, a regular oval. So, I mean, Kurt Busch, I'm talking about SHR as a whole, Kurt Busch wins Daytona. And then um, Harvick won Sonoma. That was his win for the year. So now all of a sudden they come out. Um, they really haven't been the factor that they used to be since switching to Ford. Now they come out, and clearly the Magic Fairy Dust um, made a difference. I don't know why you're saying that they cheated because Magic Fairy Dust is in the rule book. <laughs> well, I don't have a copy of the rule book, so um, maybe it's, it's online. It's on. Yeah, I, I, my internet sucks out here because at Texas Motor Speedway, just like every other track. But here's the thing: I'm trying to, I guess, convey. Kevin Harvick has been in that second-tier fast car all year long. I expected him to be up towards the front. We haven't seen a Toyota get an arrow lead at any mile-and-a-half track all year long and lose it. And not only did they lose it, they didn't lose it to another Toyota. They lost it to a Ford. That's big, Jeff Cluck. That's, that's big. We got Homestead coming up. That what does this mean for Homestead? Do you, do you think that whatever they found um, they could take to Homestead and beat the Toyotas with it? Can Harvick win the championship? Well, I think automatically anybody who makes it to Homestead can win a championship. Even Ryan Newman, when he was there, can win a championship. It doesn't take much. How many laps were we in the race today? One when we had trouble with the 18, and, I mean, the 48 went south really quick. It's just it, when you're at Homestead, it's, it's like a – it's like – my baseball coach used to tell me way back when, if you swing the bat, you're dangerous. 
you get a hard pitcher and you just happen to swing it, you close your eyes and just swing it, sometimes you may hit a home run. Kevin Harvick going to Phoenix, it's, he, he kind of likes that place. He just pulled off a mile-and-a-half victory with a fairy dust-aided car. Uh, he's going to be an absolute um, serious contender. I mean, obviously he's going to be one of the four, but he knows how to win a championship. I mean, so does Kyle Busch, but – I would automatically make him – he's going to be hard to beat, man. I mean, he's at, he's tenacious just like Kyle Busch is on a kind of a different level, but their same tenacity is there. I wouldn't want to race either one of those guys. So um, it's kind of weird this year how it worked out because I guess I – I didn't really think about this as a side effect of the new point system, but this is the first time under this system where three spots are clinched going to Phoenix. We're used to having – Maybe two if there's been two different winners. Sometimes I think I think there may have been one before if, if somebody either repeated or, or um, a different winner won. I can't remember what the situation was. But anyway, there's only one spot left going to Phoenix. Um, does that bother you? Like, are, is, is that make you less interested at all, uh, the fact that there's not two spots up for grabs? Um, actually, Jeff, I think it's – and believe me, I love to kick NASCAR's ass. I, 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 lo- I love it. This is one of the most genius things they've ever done. What, what they've done is they've manufactured excitement and hype, and it's working fantastically. The set of circumstances around the Martinsville race, I've, everybody all week said it's one of the best Martinsville races ever. Well, the reason it's one of the best because there was so much on the line. I mean, NASCAR is forced these tracks when they're in these final rounds to you really – you can't – you have to go for it. You got to do something big. You got to try. Every one of these races are so much more exciting. Stage racing has made NASCAR watchable. Before, if you weren't a fan for a long time and really understood it, it's really hard to be a new fan without stage racing. This race would have absolutely sucked without stage racing. Be able to manufacture some excitement and those sorts of things is what every sport does. We have sudden death overtime and in all kind of sports and those sorts of things and it's when it's on the line being able to manufacture this and have three because let's face it 15 years ago martin Truex jr would have won this thing eight races ago i mean we wouldn't even be talking about this it'd be over with and it'd be boring as shit i mean he would have won it by a thousand points maybe or something stupid so it's it's absolutely revolutionized the sport the only thing i don't like about it jeff is i don't like that I, as a longtime NASCAR fan, have a very difficult time trying to keep the bonus point system, the on-track thing. It's it's a little it's a little tedious to find out where everybody is. They change a lot, and because of those bonus points and that stuff moving forward, it it's what I'm waiting for is to find somebody like Martin Truex Jr. who doesn't make the final. That's when everybody's going to be like, are you shitting me? In the old system, he would have absolutely kicked its ass. And in the new system, he should have kicked it ass, but he had a bad race of Phoenix and, or whatever the case may be. I, that's not going to happen this year. But that's the thing that's going to really surprise us. I think when somebody who absolutely deserves to be in there because of the year-long performance just couldn't because of the goofy, quote-unquote, circumstances of the, of the playoff, that's what's going to really piss people off. Well, I mean, you can make that argument that that happened to Truex last year, right? 
in some ways. I mean, he, he deserved to be there last year because he's had a way more dominant season this year, but he's he was, he's been great for two years now. And, and really, um, the year – I mean, Harvick was still good last year, but it's almost like if you take the last three years um, – you know, it's it's you the three guys that you have in the finals right now, at least Kyle Busch, Harvick, Truex, have been the three dominant cars the last three years. So I really, actually, now that we're sitting here talking about it, I like the thought that it's going to be sort of a, a heavyweight. Um, you know, it's going to be like a battle of the great ones of this, and I and I don't know who who else deserves to join them, but um, those three seem to be the top ones to me. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does, and it it's the way it is playing out is playing out perfectly. Uh, Kevin Harvick probably should have about a dozen more wins under his belt the last three or four years. His pit crew screw up, you know, something goofy happened to him. They've been, uh, I mean, he and Rodney Childers are just magic. Um, Kyle Busch, the same way you said Martin Truex Jr. It's the way this format has chiseled it down to get these guys there. It. It's almost like they drew it up on a piece of paper and it just happened to happen this way. Because it's And look who you got. You got the heavy hitter. You got who thought the 48 team would be in this position going into Phoenix. What a disaster for them, by the way, today. Absolute freaking disaster. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything right. And this is weird, Jeff. Jimmy Wags and I were up at the driver intros. Jimmy Johnson looked like somebody had his family hostage in a hotel room somewhere by knife point he just looked completely flustered upset very unhappy was not intros yeah when he got in the truck he was like very stoic i was like damn what the hell's the matter with him um so i don't i mean it just was weird how from the very get-go their race day sucked it never got better in fact it went it, it got worse and that's just something we are not used to seeing not you, and we're also not used to seeing Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson figuring out the new playoff format perfectly. And I mean, they've—I would have thought that they would have had more stage points and all that sort of thing than anybody, and they really hadn't this year. So it's really weird that to get the—you know how much money I've won off Jimmy Johnson in Texas? He's going to win. I mean, he's probably going to win. And I just—it just so you look at the way this thing's played out. Getting back to your original question, you got three best cars of last three years here got jimmy johnson on the outside not i mean he's in deep crap um and you got chase elliott which can i switch gears and talk about chase elliott just a second let's let me let me finish on jimmy real quick i was shocked today to see how bad they played themselves out of it because like at one point kyle bush um was down two laps he ends up uh, he ends up finishing one lap down because but that's because he had a late problem. He he got back on the lead lap. Brad Kozlowski ends up with a top five after being a lap down because of the contact with Kyle early in the race. So those cars came back from it. Jimmy had to pit because of of a, of a vibration. But in the past we've seen the 48 team come back, make smart moves, and they continuously made the wrong moves today, and just they were just out completely out to lunch, and it was just like. Uh, I think Ricky Craven said on Twitter, this is the most mortal that Jimmy Johnson's ever looked in a race car. So that was my Jimmy thought. But what do you have to say about Chase? Well, I'm not a Chase Elliott fan. You're not? No. Anybody that's ever followed me knows that I bash the shit out of him every chance I get because it's too easy. He's a shitty teammate on the racetrack. Um, He also 
has always driven the best of everything. I don't like that shit. But I was unbelievably shocked at the amount of applause and cheers he got today at Driver Intro. I laughed when I saw that thing Eddie Gossage put out by the People's Champ. I thought, that ain't, he ain't the People's Champ. I was wrong. He had um, very close to Dale Earnhardt Jr. cheers coming out. Yes. That, that shocked me, Jeff. I'm telling you, at Martinsville... Um, I that was when it, what convinced me the, the amount of cheers for him after that whole incident last week. Um, Chase Elliott is going to be the new most popular driver for years. I'm I'm pretty convinced now because, and, and I'm not even sure exactly why. I don't know if it's his dad or the 24 fans. So many 24 fans that have gone there, but he has a huge, uh, very passionate fan base. All of a sudden. Um, kind of caught me off guard. I don't really know how to explain it. No, I, I had no idea it was like that. Yes, I knew. Uh, see, NASCAR, NASCAR does have a problem where Dale Earnhardt Jr., Richard Petty, Bill Elliott are still huge names in the sport, and two of those three guys haven't raced in a very long damn time. So it's conceivable Chase has a lot of those Elliott fans. He also has 24 fans, no doubt. I just don't – I've never seen anything from him that anyone other than a soccer mom or maybe a beta male would really say, I'm a Chase Elliott fan. I've never seen anything from him that's excited anything except he got out of the car, he didn't do anything, he cried, and then he waved the crowd up. I was like, what the hell kind of guy – Instead of getting in somebody's face, and I mean, you got to wag your finger, Jeff Clark, because he wagged. Jim, uh, Jimmy wags. That's what I get ready to say. Danny Hamlin bumped him and moved his ass out of the way right again in Texas a week later. Jeff Clark, because nobody's scared of him, but yet he's got this throng of fans like he's some badass NASCAR driver. He's cute and cuddly like a damn puppy. He's cute and cuddly like a puppy or a kitten, and I just don't get why he's got all these fans all of a sudden when he really hasn't done anything but finished second a bunch. All right. Well, I can't really, you know, agree with you on that necessarily because I think he has been the best Hendrick car all year. He's been better than Jimmy Johnson. Is that hard to do? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Congratulations. You're the best of the shittiest fucking team in the garage. All right. Well, how about this? You're looking at unless – Chase goes out and wins Phoenix or Jimmy goes out and wins Phoenix because at this point they both can't make it. There's going to be no, not even no Hendrick cars in the final, no Chevrolets in the final. What do you think of that? Um, I think this new Camaro can't come out fast enough. And I think next year, um, not only does Chevy catch up towards the end of next year, they pass them and Toyota dominance is over and we're all laughing about how Eric fucking Jones, that goofy bastard, could drive his car to the front. That's not going to happen once this new body style comes out. Um, then we're going to... Why, why, why? Okay, hold on a second. You're like the second person. It's, a couple people said this to me at the tweet up. Like, everybody's banking on this new Camaro as being like this savior for Hendrick and for Chevrolet and it's going to catch up. Like, are, 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 you know, I think you're like like kidding yourself or something here how do you how do you know that's just going to be that simple well it's not that simple but what it is is it's an absolute advantage and the aero engines are engines they're going to get rpms out of them but it's the aero part of that nose 
and the underbody that you can't compete with because that's what you have. It's what NASCAR has said, that template for the Toyota is what works, and it's better than the Camaro. It's been dominant since it's come out. It's been absolutely dominant. We're driving a damn four-door grocery chaser around this damn track. We're going to have a muscle car with a new nose that's going to be able to compete. Jeff, that's a fact. I don't I don't agree as much because I feel like what's happened is Toyota, specifically, you know, JGR and, and Cole Pern, I guess, have figured out how to make their cars turn better. I don't know that it's just sim- as simple as arrow. They're doing something underneath the car in the rear end of the car or whatever and the other teams even if they figured it out they haven't understood how to replicate it yet and whatever is happening down there there's something we can't even see so i don't even think it's on arrow on the front of the nose or, or horsepower or anything i think it's that they can turn better what do you think well, there's no doubt they can turn better but when you have a shitty aerodynamic package what i'm saying is i don't think the chevys are that far but once they get an aero balance I, I think they're gonna they are working so hard on other areas of the car that they can't fix that when they have that arrow fixed a little bit better the rest of it i think is going to pull ahead and it's only going to be a matter of time till the mustang comes in and then beats beats them both brad keselowski's got a 18 or 19 point lead over hamlin for the final spot i think and then blaney uh is still can still do it on points he's 20 something i think and then uh, Elliot and Johnson would have to win at Phoenix. So, given what you know now, who's your prediction for who gets the final spot at uh, Phoenix? I think it's Brad Keselowski, but I think it's because Chase and the 48 make huge mistakes. After seeing those guys today, I don't think they're going to go into Phoenix and not be nervous. I think Brad Keselowski is – I get the impression – Brad Keselowski almost is he's looking for this situation where he needs he needs this whereas I think Chase Elliott is just pushing 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 a little nervous he's trying to get there try to prove himself Jimmy Johnson's so far behind after what I saw today with the just a complete failure of team 48 I don't see I know they've won seven championships I I don't see Brad Keselowski not making it for whatever reason, just like they did today. Brad Keselowski and Paul Wolf get on these goofy damn pit cycles all the time. They're going to do something like that at Phoenix, and it's going to work. I think those are your four. you got the three we already talked about, and Brad Keselowski are the four. All right, here's what's going to happen. So Denny Hamlin is going to come out uh, at Phoenix because, you know, stage points are so important, and he's going to run top three uh, for both of the first two stages at, at Phoenix. And what's going to happen is he's going to cut into Keselowski's lead so bad. Like, he's going to take about uh, 10 or 11 points off Keselowski's lead. So he's going to go into the final stage only needing to beat him by, like, six or seven positions instead of 18. And then I think he's going to beat him straight up on points. So I don't think there'll be a, a new winner. I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a, one of these guys that hasn't won yet. Um I think it'll be uh, Denny Hamlin making it on points. All right, well, let's just do a friendly little wager. What, aside from pride? <laughs> pride doesn't mean anything to me. I, I drive a $600 school bus, Jeff Clug. What the hell am I worried about pride, for Christ's sakes? What, what kind of wager would make you happy? Here's what we'll do. If Denny Hamlin makes it, 
I will donate 20 bucks to Jeff Gluck. Your favorite charity? <laughs> My second favorite charity. What's your first? The Dale Jr. Foundation. Oh, okay. You went serious on me there for a second. I will make a $20 donation in Jeff Gluck's name. It'll be Jeff Gluck bows to Datto and Sloppy Yellow, and I'll make a $20 donation to Dale Jr. Foundation making fun of you the entire time. Okay, what do I have to do? You have to do nothing. So it's just a one-sided bet? Yeah, you're a working man. You're working stiff now. I mean, shit, I look at you dressed right now. You look like nobody loves you. I know that's not true, but I'm gonna, if I'm trying to give you 20 bucks, so you know, if Denny Hamill makes it, we'll put 20 bucks in your pocket. You don't think that uh, jeans and a polo or sloppy yellow worthy attire? First of all, no. Second of all, you almost look like an amorphous blob. You got it's like you're dark. I mean, black and very dark blue and grays. I mean, it's almost like a. I, I, don't, I mean, it's just I'm not very colorful. No, you're like it's drab. You look like old man Winter for Christ's sakes. We're like gee, with a nicely trimmed beard. We're like, goddamn, Jeff is there? Well, I mean, is somebody hurt? Who hurt you, Jeff Gluck? Who hurt you? At least you said my beard was nicely trimmed. But speaking of who hurt you and hurt feelings and your tears of sadness that you surely had to do today, how about Dale Jr. Um, having yet another mechanical failure and ruining the last time that you'll probably ever get to see him race? Well, here's the deal, Jeff Gluck. <clears throat> I have said all year long that um, the 2017 year of Team 88 is probably one of the biggest failures in all of team sports because – this is the biggest star NASCAR has and has had since 2001. And the fact that they've had seven DNFs this year or six or seven or whatever, and they can't get the damn car off the splitter, and we can't sque- – I thought we would have been a seventh to twelfth place team when we rolled out. The last five weeks – We've been a 7th to 12th place team. I think we've averaged 8 point something or whatever. And it's like the first part of the season, we couldn't do anything right. Our best finish still this year is a 5th of April here in Texas. Just for whatever reason, we kept stepping on our pecker. You know what that term means? I do know what that term means. It's probably what you did when you were in the in the bathroom beforehand. That's why I had to wait on you for so long. Yeah, it takes it, it takes a while. Um, but they stepped on their pecker every chance they got. And then when Dale Jr. announced his retirement, it seems like they spent so much time in a damn simulator with Alex Bowman. And I'm starting to wonder if we didn't spend time in a simulator with Alex Bowman for Alex Bowman's benefit instead of Dale Jr. and Team 88's 2017 benefit. We were just terrible. Chase Elliott, if you take Chase Elliott out of the picture – the entire summer, Hendrick Motorsports was terrible. Um, I think it, we're going to blame it all on Jimmy Johnson for getting Dale Jr. to get behind a bike and ride 50 miles on a damn summer weekend and just jump in a car. But regardless, it's a huge failure that Hendrick Motorsports cannot get a better finish for their four teams than what Team I mean, and especially Team 88. They just, they've not been good all year long. And I know Dale's retiring and that sort of thing but as an organization i mean doug ducart's left as far as where datto sits in texas hendrick motorsports is in a huge a, a i mean this is a big time in their organization rick hendrick's getting older 
Doug Ducart's gone. They haven't replaced him. They got three new drivers coming in, and they got young drivers coming in, and they don't have they don't have their shit in gear. From what I can, they're losing Travis Mack, who's been there forever, on in a bunch of different capacities. So I, I'm not. Here was my goal for the weekend, and you can ask anybody here at Sloppy Yellow. My goal was to see Dale Jr. get out of the car safe because at this point, that's all I give a shit about, Jeff. I, he needs to get out of the car, and he needs to be happy. And he was both of those things today. I mean, he was happy, and he got out of the car safely, and he didn't quit. I mean, he could have been – did you hear the cheers when he came back out on the track? Yeah, I was I was actually walking down from the press box to the media center, and – I heard huge cheers erupt, and I looked at the um, Big Haas TV, and there was nothing that would indicate why there was cheers. And then they said on PRN, well, this is the only only driver that could get massive cheers coming back like 30 laps down or whatever just came back on track. And I was like, oh, there you go. He was 30 laps down. He came back out, and the place erupted like – I mean, I was there was more cheers then than when Kevin Harvick passed the 78. Okay, and that was a major move getting ready to make happen or win him the race. And it, the place just went crazy to see Dale Jr. get on the track and come back. He was literally 30 laps down. And the, the fact that we've gone through the season to where, I mean, it was so difficult. I, these are like Lance McGrew year times. Everybody wants him to win so damn bad because it's his last time. We were just terrible that it completely switched to shit. Junior Nation's happy for him. He's getting, he's 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 going to have a baby. He's getting ready to move on. He sees something. He wants to move move forward. And Junior Nation now is, I don't. By and large, Junior Nation's super happy for Dale Junior. And happy when he's happy. And that's kind of where we're at today. I mean, this was a very difficult race and that sort of thing. But, I mean, even there at the end, he was taking his water bottle and squirting a camera and shit like that. I mean, that's that's the kind of things that, thankfully, we are going to remember. Because he could be pissed off that he fucking broke down and that kind of – he could have been horrible. And the whole nation would have taken that mood. But because he's loosey-goosey and happy, and look, then that's the way how we are. So it's it's going to be sorely missed. It's um, I am O for eighty two in seeing Dale Jr. live and win. I am going to Homestead. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, I am going to Homestead. I suspect to be O and eighty three, but as long as he gets out of the car, happy and safe, we're going to chalk this up, man, and we're going to move forward. It's all going to be good. So of course you have or you're the host of the Undam Restricted podcast on Dirty Mo Radio. And uh, as such, I mean, I, I would have thought that you would have met him quite a few times. But as I was talking to you, it sounded like um, you haven't really hung out or anything that much. However, I saw a picture of you um, from Saturday in the garage. And there he was talking to you and Jimmy Wags. And fill us in on what, how that conversation go. What happened? All right. So I'm going to tell a story before I tell this story. So in 2013... Dale Jr. came to the Hard Eight Barbecue here in Roanoke, and he did this little for 88 bucks. You get played a barbecue, and you can have a listen to a Q&A with Dale Jr. So, me and uh, three of the guys that are here at Sloppy Yell today, we went up there and had a. I mean, Hard Eight Barbecue is very good barbecue. It's Texas style barbecue. We were eating, having a great time. Um, of course, they have uh, a full. They have beer. 
ice cold beer, lots of it. We're sitting there having a good time, and um, Mike Davis, who was on the road with him that weekend, said, hey, Dado, come back here. I'm like, all right. So I walk in the back through this little room, and it was like a hospitality thing. Now, I've never met Dale Jr. Don't I don't – I'm – I mean, I'm 47 now. I don't go get autographs, for Christ's sakes. I'm a, I'm a grown-up. I don't do that shit. Well, I didn't then either. So I wasn't like – I go back there, and it's super weird, Jeff. Now, I know you've seen this a thousand times, and it's no big deal to you. But I walk in, and I see these two big lamps shining down on these umbrellas, and Dale Jr. standing underneath his No Limits Texas sign. And I walk past these three middle-aged women, and they're looking at their phone, and it's a picture of them with Dale Jr., and they're cackling and going on like it's the craziest thing ever. But the weird part is Dale Jr. is literally four feet behind them. Instead of talking with Dale Jr., they literally fangirled about the picture they just took. Instead of And Dale Jr. is just sitting there like, this is weird. So I walk past them. And I look around in a big semicircle, there's like 25 people. There's like Hendrick Motorsports people, there's like uh, Texas Motor Speedway people, there's barbecue people there. Nobody was saying a word. Everybody was just staring at Dale Jr. as he stood underneath these two lights. And I was like, oh, um, can I get a picture? And he's like, sure, man. So I hand Davis my phone, I get a picture, and then I take my place in the semicircle with everybody else. And we stood there and looked at Dale Jr. And I looked around, and I was like, um, what, what are we doing here? And Mike said, oh, this is a meet and greet for some people. Dale Jr. is four feet from me. And I'm like, um, is this, we, do we stare at Dale? Is this what we do? And Mike's like, eh, what, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, you know what? I'll see you guys later. And I left and went and drank beer with my buddies out there. It's the weirdest thing. It was horrible. It was terrible. I was like, why would you? It's like having a fish behind a glass. Don't poke the glass. You know, that's what Dale Jr. kind of was. So that's the only time I'd ever met Dale Jr. Really? Even uh, you'd done some appearances or like you'd co-hosted some stuff, so you didn't meet him again there? No. I, I met him one time for just a few minutes, like literally in passing at Junior Motorsports this summer, but nothing – I mean, literally said, actually, I made fun of a spandex and uh, told him he, he had just said on the download that he always gets, you're a lot shorter than I thought. So I said that to him, too. And uh, my co-host, Billy Bradley, is six foot three, so he's a big son of a bitch. And uh, so he stood on his tippy toes, and it was kind of funny. But it was, nothing, it was just literally in passing. So we're in the garage on Saturday. And we walk, and as he's put, he puts on his helmet, and he sees me and Jimmy Wags and Johnny and a couple of us, and he, with his helmet on, he came out there and he shook our hand. And um, I, in full disclosure, Jimmy Wags over there is six foot two, two hundred seventy pounds. He's a big son of a bitch, and he one hundred percent fangirled like the biggest fangirl you've ever seen in your entire life. He was beside himself, giddy. He did cartwheels. He was singing like songs around the campfire giddy all right jimmy wags met jimmy wags and met dale jr before I, he he met him at a dale jr download taping one time it's like one of those kind of quick things so it wasn't the he, so basically you don't really you guys despite being on the having the podcast you don't really know jr that much so you, you were just like wow this is cool jeff the funniest thing is people tweet me all the time like like i've got dale jr's fucking phone number 
And I always tell them what we talk every night when we armor all our bicycle tires. Uh, but I don't know. We don't do shit, shit like that. So when he came out, now imagine our surprise. He has his helmet on. He's getting ready to go out and qualify. This is a, he's got his game face on, Jeff. Okay. He comes out. He shakes everybody's hand. He shakes my hand last. And this is my chance to talk to Dale Jr. You want, you want to take a wild guess what I told him? I, I'm, I don't know. What did, what did you say? I said, tell Greg to get the fucking splitter off the ground. And he said, I will, Dado. And I said, thank you. And that's what I had one shot to talk to Dale Jr. And I told him to tell Greg to get the fucking splitter off the ground. That's what that's why I took my shot, damn it, right then and there. That's a great contribution. So um, it's darkness has fallen here at Texas Motor Speedway. So it's time for me to wrap this up, go edit this, post this, and then I'll do some writing. Um, but before before I go, what do you think? people will think of this race tomorrow when i put out my was it a good race poll what percent of people are going to say yes it was a good race if there's anything more than 30 percent to think it's a good race i'd be surprised wow, you think it's gonna be as low as 30 i thought it was terrible and, and i want to tell you something jeff gluck you can see the groove we are sitting in turn three texas Motor speedway worked on that fucking groove with the tire monster since wednesday they kept it in the same damn place Passing here was absolutely non-existent. Dale Jr. drove road eight or fourteenth for like an entire stage. There was just nothing that could happen when you got back in the pack. It makes no fucking sense to me why we would waste the time to tire monster this thing and not do something other than the main groove. Can can you explain to me why we do that, Jeff? I mean, I I can't. All I can go back to is the drivers saying what they said at Kentucky where, you know, oh, I guess we don't know anything that the track knows more than we do. Because I agree. I mean, the bottom groove was going to be there. Why not, why not try to widen it out? Just don't even do put anything there. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it There wasn't a lot of opportunity for advancement um, today, let's just say this. But um, you know what? You know where there is opportunity for advancement. <laughs> Tell me, Jeff. I'm dying to know. Where's your opportunity for advancement? <laughs> That was my transition to post-race podcast sponsor, SamTech, where you can find at samtech.edu. It's a school of automotive machinists and technology in your home state of Texas. It's down in Houston. And, um, you know, I've, I've visited there, and you could actually – there's people there. They go and they learn how to uh, make Dale Jr.'s car go faster. It's just they haven't hired those people yet, I'm sure, they're, or they're in school now. So it might be too late for him, but there's there's literally people in the NASCAR industry that have learned how to work on cars there, and um, have also gone to drag racing, IndyCar. So um, if you know anybody who wants to get into racing, maybe not have their own podcast like you do, but wants to actually work on the cars, you could tell them to go to samtech.edu. Is that a good plug? Jeff, not only is that a good plug, but I'm gonna I'm gonna step it up one one little. I've actually been there. Been to Samtech? Are you are you BSing me? I, I I haven't been inside it, but I stayed at a hotel not very far from there. Uh, this I did three jobs in Houston this summer, so I know exactly where you're talking about. Those people look like they're good people, work hard, and they're getting smart every day. Cool. Well, thanks. All right, so now we have to come up with a hashtag so that people who are going to be listening to this podcast, 40 minutes of a podcast, by the way. Um, 
people are going to be listening to the podcast and they can tweet to you and and myself and with a hashtag. So uh, do you have any suggestions for what hashtag they should use? Uh, I do, but first I want to make sure that next year when Dale Jr. is retired, I want you to come on my podcast because it truly will be undamn restricted then, okay? It truly so, so you're saying that un, it's not undamn restricted now? There's, there's limits? I will say this. There has been times where I have said things negative about something that may be near and dear to Dale Jr.'s heart that maybe didn't make the cut. That next year, that won't be the case. However, you know here at Sloppy Yellow, we like to eat. We like to eat a lot. And I think we should either make the hashtag bacon bomb, because you know we make a big bacon bomb here, or maybe Oreo fluff, because that's a dessert that Kim always makes, and it's here, and it's delicious. I got to tell you, I came out in the spring to hang out here after practice or qualifying one night, Friday night or something, in the spring race here. And I had the Oreo fluff for the first time. That has, like, that taste on my taste buds has stayed with me, like, all this time. So I would not be opposed to making the hashtag for this Oreo fluff on the condition that before I leave, can I have some Oreo fluff? Jeff Gluck, you drive a hard fucking bargain, but okay, buddy. We'll let you have some before you leave. All right. Uh, where, where should people uh, tweet you and follow you and all that stuff? You can follow me at Sloppy Yellow. Uh, you can go to sloppyyellow.com and donate Dell Junior Foundation if you would like. But please check out Undamn Restricted. It's the number one podcast on Dirty Mo Radio. It's, it's even better than than uh, Dale Junior's, uh, if if you ask me. I didn't. I didn't ask you, but thanks for saying that. Um, oh, by the way, I think I forgot to mention my prediction for the race yes, poll. Yes, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Uh, I I think that it'll be a little bit higher. I think I think it'll be. Uh, 52% because Harvick won and Toyota didn't win, so people like that. But anyway, any final thoughts, Dado, before we go? Yeah. Kevin Harvick was cheated up the whole way. NASCAR's not going to bust his ass because it's going to fuck up the sport if they do. Uh, but he was 100% cheated up. And uh, it's glad that you came out here. I didn't even kick your ass about the Talladega thing, Jeff Klug. That'll be next podcast. Damn it. All right. You're lucky you got off the, off the hook. But thanks for coming out, Jeff. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, tweeted us at Sloppy Yellow, at Jeff underscore Gluck, with the hashtag Oreo Fluff with two Fs at the end. And I will talk to you next time on <laughs> the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast with Datto.